0: Yes, my name is Bond. James Bond. Welcome to Now Playing's James Bond Retrospective Series. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. I certainly hope so, too. Hosted by Arnie, Stuart, and Brock. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Be warned now playing has a license to spoil and use mild adult language. The Americans are gonna be none too pleased about this. Listener discretion is advised. What, no
1: small talk? No chit chat?
0: Today, we're talking about Spectre, starring Daniel Craig, Christoph Walls, Léa Seydoux, Ben Whishaw, Naomi Harris, Dave Bautista, Monica Bellucci, and Ray Fiennes, directed by Sam Mendes. This is Brock, James Brock, co-host of Now Playing. Cuckoo!
2: Steward in LA. I'm Mickey Mouse, asshole.
1: Actually, I'm co host of now playing Arnie.
0: Well, welcome back to uh, James Bond's retrospective series. It's been a while, gentlemen, three years since we got a chance to talk about James Bond. Welcome back, Brock! Oh, shucks, you, oh, you remembered.
2: <laughs> it's been a while, I'm trying to think, it was, a uh, Chucky was the last time we might have been hanging out. Fright Night 2, actually. Oh, that's Ooh. why I didn't remember it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Repressed that.
0: I'm, uh, extremely excited about not only Am I Back, but they brought Spectre back into the fold, which is a big deal for us Bond fans, given that we have not been able to have Spectre officially since 1971. In this series.
2: Diamonds are Forever, right? That was the last time. I mean, they had like some Donald Pleasant's look alike, like fall down a smokestack and <laughs> for your eyes only. <laughs> that's but, correct, yeah. And I didn't like Diamonds are Forever. I, that's one of my least favorite bonds. So, yeah, it's been a while since I've enjoyed the idea of Blofeld. You only live twice, I think.
1: There's so much behind the scenes going on how they got Spectre back, how they got Blofeld back, how they got Sam Mendes back that. I feel the result on screen is more like a triumph of contract negotiation than it is of filmmaking.
0: (laughs) The
2: lawyers should be coming out with the gun barrel sequence and taking a bow.
0: We talked about this a lot during the uh, McClory years with Thunderball and Never Say Never Again and all that. It's all related. It's just basically in 2013, the McClory... The state said, you know what? Forget about this. They settled, and they finally got everything under one roof. So they finally got Casino Royale. They finally got Spectre. It's just, folks, if you want something that bad, just be patient. It'll come around
2: and pay a lot of money. A lot
0: of money. Yeah, I was going
1: to say a billion (laughs) dollars that Skyfall made might have helped them write that check.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Bond is in a different phase now. I feel like he's never been more popular than in this Craig era. I feel like with Casino Royale, even Quantum, which people hate on, but that made a lot of money. I think it's one of the most profitable. I think that this franchise is thought of as being much bigger than it was back in the day.
0: Not adjusting for inflation, Stuart, but yes, correct. made pretty much the same thing as uh, Casino Royale did. But of course, Skyfall was such a big success, not only financially, but critically, and just people loved that movie. Everyone was talking at the time, of course, we all talked about that in our last podcast, about how it's the best Bond movie ever. So the anticipation for this movie, I would think would be big, but get this, get this. So a guy at my work, said to me, I'm a big James Bond fan. I'm going to see this movie tonight. I can't wait for it. And I said, yeah, and how excited are you for Spectre coming back? And he said, Spectre's coming back? Where did it go? I'm like, you don't know about Spectre and Blofeld? He's like, no, what's that? So apparently, he's a James Bond fan, like I'm a Doctor Who fan. Like, I like the new Doctor Whos. I've watched it since the resurgence in the mid-2000s, but I haven't gone back and watched 50 years of Who. This guy is apparently, and maybe a lot of other fans, haven't gone back and watched... Roger Moore, Sean Connery, etc.
1: If you recall on our last show for Skyfall, I said that film made me a Bond fan. And I have seen all the Connerys. I mean, I've participated in podcasts for every single James Bond film, including the unofficial ones. Oh, God, yes.
2: (laughs) The ones that everyone should skip. (laughs) There's something about Sean Connery
1: playing video games, (laughs) never say never again, that will always just tickle my cockles of my heart. But I said I'm a James Bond fan, I'm clearly a Daniel Craig James Bond fan, and I re-listened to that review, and at the end, I said that Roger Moore will always be my James Bond, and Piers Brosnan was the perfect James Bond. Three years have passed, three years in which I have re-watched Skyfall a few times, I re-watched Casino Royale and Quantum leading up to this and no now Daniel Craig is my Bond he's who I think of he's in my favorite movies he has surpassed in the past three years every other Bond as far as what I think of I'm a Bond fan of new rebooted modern darker
2: Bond And yet, I feel like there's trouble in paradise. Uh, You too, huh? (laughs) I have stayed away from most of the preliminary materials that have been out there. I didn't know anything about Spectre's plot, although obviously that meant Blofeld was coming back just by the titling. I had seen a trailer or two. Most of them were like car commercials, but (laughs) I did not have any spoilers going in this. And yet, even I know that Daniel Craig is out there saying, I'm done. I'm finished. This is the last of me. We might be seeing literally and figuratively a swan song for Bond here in the Craig era.
0: It was the end of Iron Man 3. Remember when Robert Denning Jr. Yeah. just walks away and everyone's thinking, oh my God, is he coming back? I got the impression, didn't we talk about this, that Craig signed on for two more films yeah. after Skyfall? So what's that?
1: The rumor was that they'd actually sign him to five more because of opening weekend success. That's what was being spread on the internet the weekend we recorded our Skyfall review. Truth be told, he was originally signed to a five-picture deal. They have never extended it. This is picture four. Mm -hmm. But I think what he's saying is he's done but he's contractually obligated to return one more time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if you want view to a kill, he'll give that to you. But he does not want to do this. And I think sometimes, yeah, if the star makes enough of a stink, they'll want to do what they say because they don't want uh, muddy this franchise by putting a bond out there that doesn't want to be there. God knows there would be plenty of other people happy to take on this role. But I would be very, very sad if Craig left. I do feel like we're getting some of the best bonds with him.
0: Also, Stewart, they've interconnected the Craig bonds so much that to all of a sudden insert a new actor in there might seem a bit wonky as well. Oh my God. So I think they have some loose endings. They have to still tie up. Maybe one more movie with Craig could do that because the next actor is going to have to jump into a whole bunch of continuity.
1: Well, knowing that Brock is completely spoiler free in all ways, and Stuart, you and I had kind of talked beforehand about what you did. I decided to play the role of the fan. I am a James Bond fan now, and I picked up every magazine and every internet article I could find about the making of this to bring that in. Oh, good. It turns out that... We might not have had Craig for this one. Craig is a producer of the last film, of this film, and he was insistent. He was only coming back if Sam Mendes was coming back. And Sam Mendes was consistent. I'm not coming back. Because they actually had a conversation opening weekend and were like, well, we've really screwed ourselves. We have a huge hit. We cannot top this. And so Mendes did not want to come back.
2: Yeah, you leave when you're on top, or you try to. And yet, so often, people don't. Uh, You gotta try, right? You gotta make Thunderball. Even if you can't top Goldfinger, you gotta go big. You gotta go for something. And they did go big here. I mean, this is reportedly one of the most expensive movies of all time.
1: According to the Sony hacks 300 million, according to people who've come out after, they're like, "Well, we don't comment on budgets, but it's less than that." Apparently, it's like it's anywhere between 240 million, like that's a big savings and 300 million.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that all?
1: What a bargain. But it was the continuity thing you guys were discussing is why Mendes came back. He actually was just channel flipping and came upon skyfall and watched it. And he's like, there is so much that happened. And, His exact quote is, You can't not acknowledge Skyfall, which plays on the notion of Bond aging and nearly finished, and then not have him grow further in the next movie. You can't pretend you didn't have a major character die. This was the start of a lot of people's stories, not a beginning, middle, and end. And so the desire to see the continuity that he created in Skyfall carry forward That's what drew him back, is exactly what you said. He didn't want somebody else to come in and do another standalone story that didn't acknowledge all of this stuff and just had the same cast. He wanted a sequel to Skyfall, and so he came back. Craig was very happy. Craig got hospitalized during this. Dave Bautista threw him through a wall a little too hard.
2: (laughs) I fell for him in that fight scene. I'm like, yeah, you're no match for this one. Yeah, it shut down filming for two
1: weeks. So I can see why he might feel a little battered and bruised. This has been two years of his life. He worked with Mendez and the writers on the script. It started filming about a year ago. I can see where he would be a little burned out. But yeah, I'm prepared for this to be the last Craig Bond, if not the second to last Craig Bond. Then again, he could be doing exactly what you said, Brock, about the Robert Downey Jr., just waiting for that money truck to start beeping, backing up, and dumping.
0: You can hear it here first, folks, that he's coming back for at least one more. I think the ending of this movie is going to necessitate him coming back for just one more. And perhaps we can talk about that during the show. Arnie, how about a plot summary?
1: Well, in the last film, Skyfall, we saw M, played by Judi Dench, killed in a gunfight. But in Spectre, we learned that soon after she died, James Bond, played once more by Daniel Craig, received a video from her telling him to track down and kill Marco Sciarra. Then go to the funeral. Although that didn't look like a selfie video. She must have had a tripod. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny to see Judy Dench take a selfie? That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> and someone photo bombing her in the back would be even funnier.
1: Blofeld. <laughs> <laughs> in the time between Skyfall and this film, Spectre, Bond has been trying to find skiara And when the film opens, Bond is in Mexico on Day of the Dead. When things don't go as planned, a building is destroyed and Bond and Sciarra end up fighting on an out-of-control helicopter, but Bond gets his kill and, for some reason, steals the man's pinky ring with an octopus insignia. (laughs)
2: Because we can get an awesome (laughs) Japanese porn credit sequence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) However, the Mexican destruction causes Bond to be grounded by the new M, played by Ray Fiennes. MI6 has just merged with MI5. And their new director, General Max Denby, or C as Bond calls him, played by Andrew Scott, wants to shut down the 00 program. In its place, he wants a superior intelligence system he calls Nine Eyes, named for the nine countries whose data will feed into the centralized network. But Bond is undeterred. He steals a car from Q, played again by Ben Whishaw, and heads to Rome, where he beds Skiar's widow Lucia, played by Monica Bellucci. And then goes to her husband's criminal hangout. And there Bond sees a shareholders meeting? (laughs) But it's overseen by Franz Oberhauser, played by Christoph Waltz. Oberhauser sends new assassin Mr. Hinks, played by Guardians of the Galaxy's Dave Bautista, not to be confused with Jinx, played by Halle Berry, (laughs) to kill Bond in a car chase, but 007 escapes with an ejector seat. With help from Moneypenny, Bond figures out that Oberhauser wants to kill Mr. White, the Quantum agent, if you remember him, from the end of Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. More, Quantum is a subsidiary of the larger crime group Spectre. I picture it kind of like how ABC is owned by Disney all evil. <laughs> So Bond goes to Austria, meets with Mr. White, and finds out the assassin has been poisoned. Bond offers to protect White's daughter if White gives up the information on how to find Oberhauser. White agrees before shooting himself dead with Bond's gun. Bond then goes to meet White's daughter, psychologist Dr. Madeline Swan, played by Lisa Seydoux. Using Swan's information, they track Oberhauser to a secret base in North Africa. And there, Bond learns the backstory of this criminal mastermind. It turns out Oberhauser, Now, follow me on this. Oberhauser was 007's foster brother. Mm. (laughs) When Bond's parents were killed, it was Oberhauser's family that took in orphan James. However, Franz Oberhauser was upset by the attention given to the new family edition, so Franz killed his father and had Bond sent away. In the decades since, I don't know if he's still stinging about the sibling thing or what, we're going to talk about it, but Oberhauser faked his own death and then reemerged under the name Ernst Starvo Blofeld, taking his mother's maiden name as his last. And in addition to operating a global network of criminals he calls Spectre, Blofeld also had it out for Bond, and he takes credit for every bad thing that's happened to Bond from Vespa's death to Raul Sylvia's attack at Skyfall. Slowly, Blofeld has been dismantling Bond's life while also taking control of MI6. Turns out, and this wasn't a surprise,
0: Not at all. (laughs) C is
1: but a henchman for Blofeld. Bond is tortured, but manages to escape with Swan and return to London, and there he regroups with M, Moneypenny, and Q, where they try to stop C, this is like Sesame Street battle, from (laughs) launching Spectre's intelligence network. But Blofeld is there and has kidnapped Swan. Bond goes to rescue the girl while M and C face off. Q's hacking stops the intelligence network's launch, and in a fight, M knocks C off a high railing, killing the traitor. Blonde rescues Swan and chases down Blofeld, shooting down the mastermind's helicopter, but Blofeld drags himself away from the wreckage, though he's blind in one eye and given his trademark large vertical scar on his face. James is ready to kill his former brother, but decides not to? We'll talk about it. Emma rests Blofeld while Bond and Swan drive off in Bond's old car as credits roll. It's a hell of a convoluted plot. I worked hard on getting the plot summary shorter, and this is the best I could do without going, shit happens, we'll talk about it.
2: (laughs) There are a lot of screenwriters credited on this. I see that there were three different sets uh, that officially get credited, and, and you mentioned Daniel Craig and the director also were shaping the story as well.
1: Yeah, it feels like a lot of cooks, but I'll tell you, when this movie started, Brock, I was thinking about you. Yep. Because you had complained even down to Skyfall, no gun barrel sequence. And when this movie started, you didn't get the eye reticule kind of zigzagging and falling, but you got Daniel Craig doing his trademark shot. If this is his last time doing it, at least you got one film where he shoots the camera.
0: Yes, that was a big deal for me. And I did notice here on my notes, I said, But I don't get the little white dot going all over the place. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. (laughs) Uh, But the gun barrel sequence in the beginning of the movie sets off a theme for the rest of the movie of how this is the first real, quote unquote, James Bond film that we've had. And I was so happy that they started it this way. And the rest of the movie kind of fell in the place with the James Bond formula, as we will talk about very soon. It was kind of fun. No one else in the theater must have been as happy as me because I put my hands in the air like my favorite team just scored a goal. I put my hands like, yay! And then I realized what I was doing, that I wasn't at home, and I put my hands down back into my lap.
2: I was in a crowded IMAX theater, there wasn't an empty seat in the house, everyone cheered. Even I was, I don't think I quite jumped up and fist-pumped the air, but uh, (laughs) it was refreshing, you're right. What it telegraphed to me was, no more origin, he's the guy, and this is a new mission with a fully actualized bond. That's actually not the case, though. Like Almost instantly, they take that away with this titling, The Dead are alive. So there's a lot of reminiscing. There's a lot of going back. More than I expected to. This is not standalone. As you pointed out, Arnie, this is a sequel to Skyfall.
1: Really a sequel to all of them. I think that Brock and I shared the opinion last time that what about all this quantum BS that they'd been talking about? This is the film that's going to... Sweep that under the rug? <laughs> I'll say attempt to draw it all together. But yeah, <laughs> when is it the dead or alive? I'm like, okay, is somebody coming back from one of the previous movies? Honestly, I thought either Judy Dench or Vesper would show back up. Because those are the two big deaths. I mean, other people have died, but those are the two biggies.
0: Technically speaking, Arnie, they do.
1: Yep. Well... Kind of. I mean, they in ways, do. in videotaped ways. Yeah, it's not yeah. like they're still alive. They said the dead are alive, not the dead are on tape.
0: They kind of hit you over the head with the dead is alive theme throughout the whole thing. I mean, the opening scene is in the Day of the Dead in Mexico, day after Halloween, I believe, correct? Yep. And this big ceremony, and you could actually have not used the quote, and the, still the theme would have been introduced right there in the first scene. And that first scene, that opening shot, now correct me if I'm wrong, but that was one long continuous shot for like five minutes until Craig sets up his sniper rifle. Am I correct?
2: I think that they are leading people to believe that is true. I have since, I went in spoiler free, but I was so impressed by this, I went to go online afterwards to see how they did this, were these real people, et cetera. I think I see two breaks that are assisted by morphing edits, that are so seamless. But regardless, whether it's one take or three, what an incredible opening. What a great introduction. They don't have Roger Deakins behind the camera. I specifically complimented the cinematography last time. They have a new guy who's equally good, but has a different style. Hoyt Van Hoytima. I think I'm screwing that up, but he shot Interstellar, let the right one in. Her. It's more smoky. This one. There's a lot of particulate in the air. They're using film. It's grainy and ghostly. And I do think that, man, yeah, just starting with all these people dressed as skeletons and this tracking this man in a white suit. And Bond is clearly the guy in the black skeleton suit. Uh, Yeah, this is a great opener.
1: And the mask Daniel Craig is wearing in the scene is so disguising. And I knew Christoph Waltz was in this. I knew Christoph Waltz was the head of Spectre, not because of spoilers. I didn't read any spoilers online, but the trailer really set it up. I mean, I was excited for this movie because I love Christoph Waltz from this Tarantino work. And to see him in the trailer going, it was me, James. It was always me. So I expect Christoph Waltz to have a major part in this film. I mean, as in a lot of screen time. He doesn't, but that's what I was expecting. And this mask was covering Craig so well. And from his narrow waist and his neck, I thought we might be seeing Christoph Waltz during all these scenes. I was surprised when the mask came off and it was Craig.
2: I didn't expect it in this scene, but there is a moment later in the funeral where they're shooting people from the back of the head. I mean, with the camera, not with guns. And I <laughs> I, I think it might be intentional. I think we might be asked, before we find out their connections... Through bloodline, I think we might be asked to think of the two actors as as looking or having a similar silhouette. I oftentimes uh, was confusing one for the other in the few moments they were together.
0: I also was looking to see who that actor was in that mask. And so I was looking at the back of his hair. A little bit of that blonde hair was in the back. And that's how I figured out it was Craig before the big reveal.
2: Plus the blue eyes, right? I mean, he's got those blue eyes. I didn't see eyes in the skull. I might have missed them.
0: I tried to find the eyes of Stuart, but I couldn't tell they were his.
2: But I think they cut twice. I mean, I think when he walks into the hotel, they kind of hold on a poster. And just for like a half second, I feel like that might have been a cut. Agree. And then when he steps out of the window. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And that moment when he steps out the window in full James Bond suit and he just walks on top of the roof, that to me was a pure James Bond moment. So casual, loading a gun, walking high in the air on a rooftop. I loved that moment, and Craig played it perfectly as, I'm going to work. It was great.
1: And this line, he says, I won't be long. This is pretty much the only line of dialogue. I do think the sexy brunette he's with says, where are you going? I won't be long. That is the only dialogue for the first 12 and a half minutes of this movie. Mm -hmm. This opening is like a silent film. I was stunned. I mean, there's great sound effects, sound design, score all going on, but... I was really, really shocked that it's just balls-out action with no setup. We don't know why Bond's doing what he's doing. We do hear a little bit of chatter about blowing up a stadium. And this is in a foreign language subtitled by the target of Bond's assassination. But still, there's so little talk here, it's really stylistic. And I'm just going to go out and say this. This pre-credits Bond sequence is, in my mind, the best action sequence of any Bond film ever.
0: Wow. I don't agree with that at all. The Moonraker one is balls to the wall- action, falling out of a plane, people actually falling out of a plane and doing something awesome.
1: Uh, that has nothing compared to what happens in a chopper later this film.
0: But the thing with the chopper, Arnie, is that there are scenes, or insert shots of the guy and Bond fighting in the chopper that were clearly done on a, on a set or in a green screen. And while it was still exciting to see the wide shots of two guys, stuntmen or not, fighting in a, a runaway helicopter was very thrilling. The insert shots, a la Roger Moore on top of a plane in Octopussy, <laughs> or uh, it was with two took me out of it a little bit, even though it was very, very well done. But when you have two people or three people jumping out of an airplane and actually jumping out 75 times or something like that to capture the footage of an aerial fight without parachutes, quote unquote, in a James Bond opener and Moonraker, that's never going to be top for me. But I understand. It's a great sequence. I completely agree with you. But the best ever? Not for this Bond fan.
2: Yeah, it's tough to call. All I know is it felt like a really smart way of referencing Touch of Evil. I don't know if you guys ever saw the Orson Welles movies. Oh, I love that. Charlton Heston is a Mexican. It's great. (laughs) Exactly. It starts with an eight-minute sequence in which a bomb goes over in a car from the U.S. into Tijuana. We're here in Mexico City. The unbroken or supposedly unbroken tracking shot that we have, they're referencing old film noir. That's one thing I appreciate about the Craig era, is that they're not just referencing old Bond movies, they're thinking about all old spy and detective movies, and you get that sense here. Question, though, when the building comes down... He is there to shoot people that are across the way, making evil plans in a window. But is that the gunfire of his? Is that the power of his gun that brings down the facade of the building? No, no. They they had the bomb that they were taking okay. to the stadium okay. and he shoots the bomb. All right. So that was, the, I'm like, because that is a powerful gun. All right. <laughs> he overestimated that. Either that or Mexico is built very
1: poorly. The real power is Sciarra, who is standing in the room with the bomb and walks out <laughs> with his
2: hair. Messed up. Yeah, I was impressed he got out of there. Was a little wily coyote. Yeah, only to die. But yes, he's got to get to the square and give us the helicopter theatrics you were talking about,
1: which are great. All of this stuff is so great. I, I love when the building's coming down and Craig gets that oh shit look on his face and starts running, and his roof collapses and he's dangling, and then he's like, "Oh, I'll slide down." Then <laughs> just nonchalantly <laughs> walks away. This whole opening chasing Skiara through the parade with each of them on either side the looks they give each other the helicopter doing this crazy climb and then a crazy dive and spinning out of control and these are all practicals maybe not the insert shots but the wide shots all practical man i was just adrenalized and so excited for this film and then sam smith sings but you know it happens
0: I was waiting for, as you know, at the end of these pre-credit sequences that go right into these wonderful credit sequences with the visuals. But I felt they held on a little bit too long there. I was waiting for the edit to go right to the credit sequence. It's a very minor complaint, but I felt they lingered a little bit too long for Craig to look at that ring because after that incredible adrenalized sequence, as Arnie called it, to have a, a brief moment of reflection looking at the ring like that Felt a little off to me.
2: But I think they want everyone to understand that the specter ring is an octopus. Because what they're about to attempt in this credit sequence is the most amazing tentacle porn I have ever seen put (laughs) forth. (laughs) How much tentacle porn have you seen, Stuart? This has to be either a masterpiece of comedy or a complete disaster. But I was laughing during this whole opening sequence like I haven't really ever before. It's amazing what they do in this opener. Craig is, like, shirtless. There's these women with tentacles groping them. Their hair are, like, squid ink. And there are these ghost hands, like, bringing up Vesper and La And then, yeah, we got the theme, which, uh, all right, congratulations, Gladys Knight. You're off the hook. You no longer have the worst theme in the Bond canon, or the official Eon Bond canon. Worse than License to Kill is what Sam Smith has done here with writing on the wall.
0: I want to give one piece of advice to all singer-songwriters, out there if you write your own song write it in a key you can sing in (laughs) so you don't have to use falsetto i mean he he wrote this song for himself why would he do that to us and him i i wanted to just call it we
1: all right i didn't think it was that bad i thought it was middling i didn't think it was anywhere in the top 15 bond songs but i didn't think it was atrocious. I mean, I've listened to Sam Smith on the radio sometimes, and I felt like this feels like just a modern pop song, which is not going to be memorable. It's no Adele, Skyfall, but... But how it wants to be. It wasn't... Feeling like fingernails on a chalkboard the way you guys are describing it. Oh, it was.
0: No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. A garbage is still my least favorite. The one from <laughs> the world is not enough. That's just garbage. Appropriately, uh, this one was fine. This one is a very average Bond song for me. Yeah. Toward the end of the of uh, the pile for me, I liked that they brought in the James Bond kind of uh, horn motif things. And the end of the song when it kind of slows down a little bit and has the uh, the writings on the wall. That was fine. The ending of it. But But yeah, paired with the visuals, this was a hot mess.
2: (laughs) It really was. To me, it was just like someone blubbering in your ears. Like, it just literally sounded like someone crying. And I've enjoyed Sam Smith when he's worked with Disclosure, with some of the dancier things. But yeah, when he tries to get soulful, it's just... It's better than Never Say Never Again. That's the compliment I can give it, is it's not the (laughs) absolute worst theme we've ever had. But of the official ones, right at the bottom.
1: As for the graphics, I was... A little bit confused by them. I was like, what is going on here? I liked it when they brought back Vesper and M and things, though. I liked that they incorporated footage from the previous films. The way they incorporated it seamlessly. I was just thinking of Christoph Waltz again saying I was behind it all. Seeing them here got me so excited. I was just so jazzed. And I'm not the Bond fan. I've never really cared for Spectre. I thought Blofeld was overrated. I get he's classic, but this was really... Getting me going.
2: It was good to remind people. I hate to say it, but it has been a while since even Skyfall, three years. I didn't get a chance to go back and see it for this viewing, unfortunately. So, I mean, of course, I remember Le and Silva and all that. But having those visuals remind you that this is an interconnected story and that, yeah, what we're going to get into is about the biggest bad of all. What we're going to find out is that there was someone always above them, like an octopus, I suppose, controlling all the tentacles. We're going to get that here
0: they showed us the Vesper and they showed us Le Chiffre, I was hoping they would show Green. I actually did go back and watch Quantum of Solace and Skyfall in preparation because, as I mentioned on the Skyfall review and the Quantum of Solace review, that I want them to tie it back in. I want them to come back to Quantum, so I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. But what was obviously missing from these reminiscence, and he comes back later, thankfully, was Green, the villain from Quantum of Solace. And so I saw Jesper Christensen's names in the credits. He plays Mr. White, so I knew he was coming back, thankfully. So I knew they were going to tie it in from that moment on. But for me, I knew his name. It would have been nice if you put a picture of Mr. Green on there with Vesper, with Silva, with Le Chifre, so everyone gets that all these movies would be connected from the get-go.
2: You know, I think they're just a little embarrassed with Quantum. There, there seem to be enough grumbling about it that they don't want to connect it too much. They have a lot of dialogue saying, "and Quantum was part of it," but they don't want to. They don't want to remind people about that movie.
1: Yeah, it is so convoluted. The way I took it is this: again. Behind the scenes, they wanted to create a new Spectre. They couldn't create Spectre. Spectre was a stupid acronym anyway in the modern era. So they were going to make Quantum, but Quantum was going to be Spectre, right? That's what we all hypothesized back with that review. But now they got Spectre. They got Blofeld. They're like, all right, we're just going to say they're... One in the same. I think it's really, I think all of Spectre is silly in this, honestly. They have shareholders' meetings. They talk about aggressive
2: expansion. They're like IBM. I like that idea, though. I think that in this world, to think that criminals are just as profit driven as anybody else is kind of funny. It, it's parody.
1: Yeah, but what they were discussing was financials and things like that. It felt like a lack of evil to me. <laughs>
2: Well, we can talk about that. I don't know that it all comes from being said in board meetings. I think that might be with the script itself. What is Spectre trying to do? We get it early here, and I think it's telegraphed to even the youngest viewer. Spectre is going to take over the security systems of every country in the world because they're all going to sign off onto some universal drone program?
1: No, just nine of them. Not every country. But that's enough to feel like the whole world will be policed.
0: Yes. See, it should have been eight because it's an octopus. Yeah, there you but
1: go. But the ninth is the head.
0: All right, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, nine eyes. I don't think an octopus has that many eyes. But- they don't. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I don't know if anything has an odd number of eyes other than in sci-fi. <laughs>
2: But yes, I mean, it's very obvious here in the setup. Bond is in trouble because he went to Mexico without, you know, jurisdiction, and we don't know why, and it's part of the mystery of the first act, and he meets the new boss that's going to basically dismantle the double-O program. I knew he had to be evil because it's Moriarty from the Sherlock reboot on BBC.
0: Uh, Andrew Scott. Obviously, Blofeld is Bond's Moriarty, right? So that seems appropriate. I gotta tell you, as soon as this man walks on the screen after his first scene, I wrote down... Oh, he's evil. I mean, were they even trying to mask that for the audience? Uh, this guy was in with Spectre.
1: I think they were. I honestly think that they were trying to mask it. I'm just going to lay my cards on the table here. Spectre came too late. We talked about in our Mission Impossible Rogue Nation review how they moved that film up to beat Spectre to the screen. The plot we have here is virtually identical to last year's plot of the superior Captain America, the winter soldier, or even earlier this year's superior mission impossible rogue nation. In both of those, we had a bureaucratic enemy and then some kind of assassin enemy. And so I thought they were trying to go rogue nation with it, where they were fighting on two fronts. They were fighting to keep their organization against the bureaucracy and they were fighting against specter and I got that this guy was supposed to be despicable. It wasn't until later on where they're touring the evil headquarters and I'm like, "Oh, that looks like a good Bond villain building." And then he <laughs> says, "Oh, the prime minister would never pay for this. We have private donors." Yes. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah. you're evil. Sir your Specter." <laughs>
2: And there's no one there. I mean, it's going to be automated. The idea is, like, they have this giant facility that has an employee of one. I think, really, the only people working on the day that it's launched is Andrew Davies' C character. And C, he's named that because we have all these administrators with letter names, but also S-E-E. I mean, he sees everything. We'll find out. He's not in league with Blofeld because he wants to control the world and be evil. He literally believes this is the best path towards policing I I think that he's just politically aligned with the idea that everyone should be watched you think I just thought he was a crony I
1: mean everybody inspector is like I will die for the organization I thought he was evil and feeding all of that data to Blofeld for his nefarious plans
0: and they have people everywhere according to quantum of solace don't forget
2: in the room, no less.
0: Yes, that's right.
2: Yeah, and I don't know, he has some dialogue towards the end that leads me to believe that it wasn't about being Blofeld's best friend, that it was just more like, oh, this guy's gonna pay for what I've always want built. It's referred to as George Orwell's worst nightmare, and I think he just, yeah, wants a totalitarian state that can impose order. My thinking on this
1: was, we talked about how all these Bond films were trying to keep up with current political situations, This surveillance thing feels so five years ago, you know, the Patriot Act, where they started tapping our phones and everything, that was Bush Jr.'s administration. And yes, Obama has carried that policy on. But I think at this point, we're all just resigned to everything we do is watched, right? I mean, are people still fighting against the idea of surveillance? I figure that nine eyes is actually small in scope for a Bond villain. I figure we have 18 eyes going on in the real world.
2: Well, Julian Assange is still out there. Ask Ed Snowden. I mean, I think people are still fighting this fight, Arnie, but I agree, it's been explored in movies for several years now.
0: I also thought Hydra, it's impossible not to. The only thing I want to say is that Hydra in Mission Impossible, all that came after Bond. I mean, I don't know when the idea of an evil organization permeating every bit of the world came to be first, but I do know that James Bond films and Spectre and Blofeld have been cribbed for 50 years ever since the books and the movies came out with this character, especially the movies. So to have a Hydra organization, which is probably based on Spectre. So I, I get your point. We all saw movies recently with this. We talked in Skyfall how Silva was reminiscent of the Joker and the Dark Knight because we just saw those movies. So yeah, of course we think of those other movies, but let remember where it came first, folks, and it was Spectre. I'm- You're
1: completely right. Spectre was the original organization. James Bond inspired Mission Impossible, the TV series. Spectre inspired Hydra. But We have always praised the Craig Bond films for being a modern update to this. Just because they did it first in the 50s or the 60s doesn't mean that they're doing it best today.
0: I don't disagree with that comment at all. I I think, as a James Bond fan, and especially with everything we're leading up to, I think bringing Spectre back into the fold, we're rebooting Bond here with Craig. To bring Spectre back in is what people like me want. We want Spectre back. We want James Bond's arch enemy back into the fold if we're doing this from scratch again.
1: Can I ask why? You say you want it, but, I mean, is it just nostalgia that makes you want it, or I'm curious why you
2: don't want something new? I would say you want Joker in a Batman movie.
0: There you go. It's those arch enemies that these characters have that you want brought back. So if you're going to retell the story, they brought Joker back for Batman in the new series, right? They brought back Blofeld now. When you have the new Sherlock television show, you have the Moriarty. You want him to come back. So if you're going to reboot James Bond, bring back the best elements of, or at least the classic elements, and and there's two things missing so far. It's Blofeld and the marriage. And so we have Blofeld now, and so we're hoping that, I'm hoping that they're going to bring back some key points of the James Bond lore, and they started that with Blofeld.
2: Yeah, although it's going to take a while for, for Bond to get to Blofeld, and I think that's right for this new Craig era. They they take their time. It took a long time to get to Lashief and Silva. But we're going to spend some time with Bond. You know, I was so happy to see the way the pieces fell together last time, that, oh, we got this M, we got Moneypenny, we've got Q, and the team is here, and... He's being demoted. Again, like, no sooner as he gets started than he is off the ranks and Double O is going to be completely dismantled. I, I hate that we have this storyline here.
1: It's one step away from License to Kill, right? I mean, he doesn't have his license revoked, but
2: he's grounded.
0: He was grounded in Quantum of Solace, too.
2: Exactly. I didn't want this storyline... Again, I wanted them to go on a mission and do something cool here. Instead, yeah, he's got to go back home, which is as sparsely decorated as I would imagine a bachelor world traveling rogue to be. There's there's nothing on the walls. It was a nice detail. I liked it a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we get Money Penny coming over there. I think it's clearly established now that Money Penny is not going to sleep with Bond. She's just bringing him personal effects from Skyfall, and we get the first tease of this photograph of young Bond with his father figure and someone else, a secret.
1: There's no mystery here, right? I mean, you got this, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. the moment I saw it, I'm like, oh, a burned-off face. It's a hidden face. It's going to be Christoph Waltz. The only thing I didn't know was if Christoph Waltz was going to be Blofeld. It's a lot like when is Benedict Cumberbatch Khan? I'm like, is he Blofeld? Really, it doesn't matter. He's a bad guy. Give him whatever name you want. But that was all the swirling around is, was he Blofeld? Either way, I knew from the trailers he was the mastermind. And once I saw that, I'm like, oh, they're brothers. They're going Austin Powers with this because Austin Powers and Dr. Evil were
2: brothers. And I don't know what you get for that. Just to jump ahead, when we finally get that, hours later, it feels like. I really don't feel like that makes the the fight that much more interesting. I mean, I think whether Blofeld is blood relation or stepbrother or, you know, new enemy that just popped up that was created because of something Bond did, it could be any of those things and it doesn't really change the fact that we just want to see him have a cool plot. And Blofeld, unfortunately, his whole plot is just to take over a security system. We have no idea what he'll do once he has that control.
0: I agree with you. I don't think changing Blofeld's backstory changes anything Thing for the climax of this movie or for the two characters. For some reason, when they do these reboots, like with Smallville, for example, Lex Luthor and Clark Kent grew up together or whatever, and that didn't really add much to their being arch enemies to me. Here, I don't think it's needed. To Arnie's point about not knowing if Christoph Waltz was Blofeld, as soon as they cast the guy and told us the movie was Spectre, you don't hire Christoph Waltz to play Joe Schmo. You, <laughs> got, you, you cast in the play the, the big guy. And there was no mystery to me at all that he was Blofeld as soon as they announced him in the part. So if all the actors working today, they picked the right one to play Blofeld. Whether or not it was written well or all that kind of stuff we're talking about right now. But I think it was a great idea to have this guy Play the part.
1: Oh, I agree. He was wonderful. We're going to be talking about this on our donation series. I love him as an evil bastard and an inglorious bastards. And I think that you don't get better. My question is, and we can raise this at the end, is he around for the long haul? He's an in demand actor. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think he's around for the long haul, but you were in for a long haul because he is not featured well by this movie. He is barely in this movie. It's going to be a lot more about Bond finding him and confronting the past and a love story again. But yeah, no surprise that he was Blofeld. Of surprise that Judy Dench is here, though. I was not prepared for him to play a video of the old him telling him that the reason he should go to Mexico and kill Sciara is because he had something to do with Mum being assassinated? Did he, or was it another case that she was involved? I
1: will say this. Having Blofeld, the person behind La Chiffre, and having a, the person behind Quantum of Solace and Mr. White and Quantum, that all fits because those movies were hinting as something bigger, something more evil. But we all said when we reviewed Skyfall, Silva felt like a standalone story. Silva in Skyfall is smarter than Blofeld in this film. Silva in Skyfall felt more dangerous and was more charismatic. And I love Christoph Waltz, but Javier Bardem ruled Skyfall the way Heath Ledger ruled Dark Knight. And so here, this feels lesser, and I cannot imagine Silva reporting to this guy.
2: Yeah, uh, we'll get there. I mean, uh, l- l- let's get to Rome first. Bond has to, even though he has been put on hold, and they even give him nano blood, smart blood, to track his every move. So the same thing they gave him in Casino Royale, only now it's blood? Oh, that's right. You're right. They have tracked him before.
1: But- yeah, I, I was like, why does it have to be some new nano blood? This is the exact same thing in the arm that they gave him before.
2: Yeah, I forgot about that. But it's it's just kind of creepy to think about them turning your own blood into a rat. That it, that your blood will rat you out to your boss. I mean, that's kind of creepy. But uh, Q is going to help him out. He's going to give him a break. He He's worried about the new boss. He doesn't want to be too much of a rogue. And they don't have that long of a working relationship. But Q is going to give him two days to go to Rome and figure out whatever he's going to with this specter ring.
1: I do love the Q scene. I really liked this new guy as Q, playing them totally differently like a modern geek and just the way you twist the screws oh yes this would have been your car now it's 009's car
2: <laughs> yeah, that was i got
1: you a watch
2: <laughs> yeah an omega watch that we can all go buy i'm sure there's some print ads with the daniel craig wearing it for our display there are indeed
1: i've seen them and by all go by i think you mean the one percent can go by <laughs> i can't go buy this watch correct
0: what i love about this scene is it's a classic cue scene done modern way so they have the jokes q actually makes a couple of jokes which are kind of fun it tells the time and he makes the uh i would tell you to bring it all back in one piece but you only brought me back one piece laughs at his own stupid joke
1: i laughed at his stupid joke too i
0: did too i thought it was great they brought back the Q scene finally we get a Q scene in this modern craig era fantastic a lot of fun.
2: And they're going to use him more here. He's actually going to go to Austria eventually. But first, we go to Rome and uh, we get to that funeral. Uh, you know, M, I should say Judy Dench M, told him, don't miss the funeral. That's where he's going to first see Blofeld. That's where he's going to shack up with the quote, oldest Bond babe that we've ever had. 50? It's been a part of the uh, press materials. I don't know how that makes Monica Bellucci feel, but she is beautiful. <laughs> and I think that we needed this Bond moment here. We needed him to get it on with someone, so this feels appropriate. I'm assuming she has kids and grandkids, in which case she's a total gilf.
0: (laughs) Yes, there you go. I have had a thing for Monica Bellucci since I can remember. Remember those Matrix posters when she was Persephone, I think her name was, with those beautiful, sleek uh, picture of her, that that beautiful, sleek white dress, whatever that was.
1: I keep forgetting her in the shadow of the pie vagina.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, the, the, The thing with me, with Monica Bellucci, is they made so much of a deal of her being in this movie. And then she's in it for like one scene. Yeah. I was disappointed with that.
2: Yeah, I guess they didn't want to make her the girl. You know, there is a another girl on all the posters. But uh, it was nice that they gave her a moment. She certainly earns it. She doesn't really do much other than say, oh, yeah, you need to go to this building where they're holding the shareholder meeting. But uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I, I'm actually disappointed in the two women bond beds. The one pre-credits, he never goes back there. He's like, I'll only be a minute. He's gone forever. And she was hot. Well, the building did explode, Arnie. <laughs> Do you think she
0: died? No, but he had other things to do, man. He was fighting somebody in a helicopter. Yeah, but Roger Moore would have gone back after. You're absolutely right. Roger Moore would have gone right back to that window and said, where were we? (laughs) Exactly right.
1: But then here, yeah, I read about her again. I was reading all the articles I could find. They just talked about her, talked about her. He beds her once, says thank you and goes. She doesn't even die. Usually the first girl he sleeps with dies. He actually name drops. We don't get the actor back, but he name drops Felix later. Oh, Felix is going to come and protect you. I thought for sure we'd see her corpse covered in oil or gold or
2: something later. I'm glad they gave Felix something to do, even though he's not here. (laughs) He's off in the Hunger Games.
0: I completely agree with you on that because I I was thinking later in the movie, why didn't they just go back and kill Monica Bellucci? And then I remember they dropped Felix's name. I I, I agree. I wanted her to die. No offense, Monica. But I want her to die. If you sleep with Bond, you die. So they're taking these traditional Bond tropes. They're using the formula again for Bond, but they're doing things a tiny bit differently. So you get all the scenes you want, just a little bit different.
1: The other thing is, honestly, I realized Daniel Craig... And this actress are very close in age. Daniel Craig was 47. She's 50. But the way they played it out, it felt like a (laughs) pity. She's like, my husband never showed any interest in me. I didn't get the bond was attracted to her from the funeral on. It's like she's talking about how lonely she is. Bond will fix it. He's very Machiavellian.
0: Well, Arnie, remember Casino Royale when he sleeps with the bomb maker's wife to get the information? It's exactly the same thing. I never got in any part that Bond was attracted to her in a sensual way, but more like, she's attractive, I can do this to get information. And literally, he was pumping her for information uh, on the screen.
1: (laughs) I just thought because he saved her life and was going to continue keeping her alive, she would have given that information anyway. This was a bonus for her, not for him.
0: I did like in the scene when she walks into the building, and there's one guy in the shadow. She walks into the next room, a second guy comes behind, and then she finally gets out to the veranda. I thought a third guy was going to show up, He did, it was Bond, and he snipes the other two, but I liked that whole progression, and I thought that was very well done, very well filmed.
1: The camera work here is astounding. The fact that we see these people out of focus, and then when they fall, they're just these silhouettes in the background, and Bond, he walks up, but he stays out of focus the whole time, and Mendez plays a lot with depth of field in this, I... It has to be intentional. That It's not just that it was a dark night and that aperture is wide open. He keeps a lot of things out of focus in the shots... It's a good-looking film.
2: Yeah, I feel like a lot of the movie is shot just like the opening, where we have all these long takes, slow, where we have time to absorb the art direction. We are following characters. Yeah, there's a smoky, dark quality, like a specter. I mean, I think there's ghostliness to the way we see things. I love the shot, the next one, where he's driving up to this palazzo, and we have all these lighted trees at two in the morning. I don't think Rome normally does this. Seems like an incredible waste of electricity, but uh, it's so beautiful to see him arrive at the Spectre lair.
0: I laughed my head off when he parked his car in that Palazzo, and there's not like one Volvo. There's no station wagons or SUVs. It's all these sports cars. There's not a
2: lot of people. I think it might be a choice. At first, it was annoying me. We're going to get a car chase where he's driving around and there's no pedestrians anywhere. And then I started to realize maybe that this is a theme, that this is a world where where there's just cameras. There's no people anymore. But the only people, there's minimal security. There's like two guys at the door. He flashes the ring. And then, yeah, he's just admitted. He's just there at this classified meeting where they're talking about all the evil things they do. They bomb trains in Hamburg and- And you know, blow up factories in Africa.
0: If this was a Mel Brooks movie, this would be a musical number.
2: (laughs) This meeting, again, I found it kind of funny, but the way
1: they introduce Blofeld, and that's just what I'm gonna call him, forget this Oberhauser shit. And he's in the shadow. I'm like, I know that's Christoph Waltz. Everybody's dead silent. I'm like, this is going to be a very long meeting if you have to wait for him to tell you to talk before they do. I'm actually rather bored until we get Dave Bautista coming in. And Bautista, I was almost as excited to see him in this movie as I was, Christoph Waltz, because he was so awesome and so funny in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, he'll be a great henchman. I'm annoyed that he only says literally one word this whole film. He gives great facial expressions. He's a great physical actor because of his wrestling past.
2: I think they could have done more with Hanks, though. What? I mean, he's great, but what do you want? He's odd job. The henchmen don't talk. You want Dave Bautista for his acting ability? Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I agree with Stuart. No, he was great in Guardians of the Galaxy. He had timing. He was really good. But I agree with Stuart. He is odd job, and he doesn't have to speak. I also got jaws off of him. Yes,
2: silver thumbs or whatever that is.
0: Yeah, and, and not only that, but he keeps surviving, except at the end, he, I'm going to jump ahead quickly, I thought he was going to come back after that for one more kill, you know?
2: I bet he was. The ending got severely rewritten, and I have to believe he was there in London at one point.
0: I would have to think so because the way he comes off is like when Jaws falls out of the airplane at the end of Moonraker and survives falling into a circus tent. This guy, that that kind of quality. But Arnie, I disagree with you on one thing. That board meeting when Christoph Waltz was in the shadows the whole time and people are whispering in his ear, I was riveted that whole time. I thought the presence was great. I thought the lighting really helped get the mood. There was silence on that screen and there was not a peep from anyone in my audience. I mean, this thing, the only word I could think of was the presence of the room. The man just emanated presence. And so I was on the edge of my seat watching people whisper to each other.
2: I love that his entrance, you know, he just sits down and then he just does the slightest of head tilts. Just You wouldn't barely notice it. And someone runs up and moves his microphone closer to him. I thought that was a hilarious detail. It's like, yeah, he could reach and pull his own microphone, but he doesn't have to. He controls all. He is the head of the octopus. He can make people literally do anything that he wants. It it was a great way of establishing that.
1: Yeah, I liked how he had a personal assistant pull his chair out and push it in like he was a waiter at a fine restaurant it was very nice
2: yeah no you get the sense that he's in control and indeed he knows very well that his half-brother james is up there in the balcony and says welcome and james knows too i think it took me a while in the movie to realize because they tell it takes a while for them to establish this half-brother connection but he instantly recognizes that this is his half-brother
0: the name overhauser is actually a callback to the short story octopussy And if you listened to my review of Octopussy on Books and Nachos, it's a story that Bond did know Oberhauser in his previous uh, life. He taught him how to ski or rock climb or something. And in this movie, they obviously change the backstory of how Bond knows this character. But I thought it was very nice that they went back to Fleming for the name of this character.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about Octopussy, but only during the opening credits. The one thing that I just
1: couldn't figure out is at what point... Blofeld knows Bond is there and even if he's told hey some dude came in how does he know it's Bond I mean he doesn't look up he, I guess he's just all-knowing I maybe he has security cameras everywhere that is kind of the theme of the movie as he sees all but
2: he could even be tracking his blood right I mean he could be tapping into the system that Q has back in London
0: Oh, Stuart, that's a really good thought, because I didn't understand why they went through all this thing about having the tracking blood. The only time they really use it is to find out he's in Austria. And so now that makes a lot more sense. I wish that was a little more obvious, because I think you're dead on about that.
2: You know, it, I think we're just supposed to think that Blofeld knows everything. We don't ask why. He just, he lives in a controlled environment where there's cameras everywhere, and he's tapping into MI6, MI5 security. He just, I just take it for granted, you know, that he's just a supervillain. And he just, by sitting in a chair, he still somehow knows everything that happens on Earth and controls it, or soon will.
0: Now, right after this scene, they have a car chase. Dave Batista. his name is Hinks, you said? Yes. Yeah, they don't drop his name in the movie, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I
1: never heard it. You no, know, I think he'd have to introduce himself, and they don't know that, but it was in the credits as Hinks.
0: It was in the credits, right. So they have a car chase right after this, and we get the Aston Martin quote-unquote chase with the tricked-out car, but the twist here is none of the tricks really work, and so that was kind of, haha, it's funny. It's, again, a little
1: bit strange to me the way Mendez did this. This is a very cool car chase, but the least exciting one in my memory. I mean, instead of trying to compete with Fast and the Furious, Mendez makes this actually the slow and the disinterested, because James Bond is going to make a phone call and be getting information from Moneypenny. He's not shouting over the volume of the engine. He's not even that worried about Making phone calls and driving, you shouldn't do that at 40 miles an hour, let alone as fast as that car seems to be going. But what Mendez is gonna focus on is the conversation in the car and not the car chase, making this really feel like a non-action action scene. I didn't get the thrill I usually get when Bond has an action scene.
0: What I didn't like about it was it was too much humor with money penny. She's going to the fridge while Bond waits, etc. I like that there was
1: a
2: guy in her bed.
0: Yeah, good for money, Benny. Yeah, she deserves that. And you guys said before there's no traffic. There's a guy in a little tiny, like. uh, Yeah, one fiat. Yeah.
2: It is two in the morning. And it's a
1: punchline because he drives it forward fast. It honestly reminded me of a joke that we'd see in Live and Let Die with the sheriff.
0: Exactly right. Uh, there's Roger Moore kind of stuff going on in this car chase until the end of it when it finally becomes a car chase and they drive on the side of the pipeline, etc. Also,
1: Bond escapes this car chase. Q put some gadgets in there. The gun isn't loaded. The flames were kind of cool, the way it catches Bautista's car on fire there. But finally, he clicks the air button, and there's an ejector seat. But last movie, didn't Q say we don't do ejector seats anymore?
2: I think that's the joke.
0: And then, of course, the button on the whole thing is that uh, Bond comes back for the car later, and then he comes back for his own Aston Martin at the end that was rebuilt. And you have to wonder, is that Aston Martin all tricked out? I probably think so.
2: I think it has an ejector seat.
0: (laughs) Uh, Hopefully it's for
2: Madeline. (laughs) You don't even need a shooter. We're done with this one.
0: For me, it was a disappointing, unexciting car chase, but I saw what they were trying to do.
2: What it's trying to do is get through a lot of exposition. We're going to find out we need to find some Pale King, and he's going to some lake in Austria, and that's boring, so they want to spice that up by having him at the same time driving a car really fast by the Tiber. But I think you're right. It's at the service of the adrenaline of the scene that we get all that exposition.
1: The other thing he has Money Penny look up is Oberhauser before and after he died. Now I took copious notes, I was watching carefully, but where does Bond learn about Oberhauser's death and suspect
0: he's still alive? He doesn't have to learn about it. He knew it from past life.
2: Yeah. He instantly recognized, "Oh, there's that brother of mine. I thought he died in an avalanche." Oh, okay. I wish that would have been more clear. I'm that's like That's a secret. You know, that's the one thing that Money Penny was trying to get out of him in the beginning that is he he already knows.
0: I don't think Bond already knew Oberhauser was still alive.
2: No, no. No. But I think he he might have had suspicions. I don't know. There was something about that photograph. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's difficult. It's muddy. The point that he finally is confirmed that his brother is alive is at the meeting. And why we need for him to go find a Pale King to find out where his brother is is strange. His brother is right there (laughs) in that room.
0: No, no, no. But he left that room and then Bond escaped. So now Bond has to find out where his hideout is. He has to find out, how am I going to find this guy again? Yeah. And that's what he's looking for.
2: I I mean, I get it, but you get my point. It's like, it would be more fun if Waltz was in this movie and that we could chase after Waltz directly and not have so many middlemen. That we have to go with this Pale King who's dying of some kind of poisoning or something. That They've talked about putting the Pale King down in this meeting and indeed they must have slipped him the same kind of radiation or whatever killed that Russian spy that defected to London in the early 2000s. It feels like a replay of that real-life story. Actually, this is a real poison. I looked it up, and it's a actual
1: thing that happens. Thallium poisoning. It's pretty freaking dangerous, kind of like mercury poisoning. And I'm going to take the opposite stance. I felt there were too many hanging threads with quantum. They kind of just dropped that quantum is specter, okay, whatever, writer's room. We now have the name we wanted to use all along. But I was glad they put a bow on the Quantum thing by bringing back and permanently killing off White.
0: I completely agree with Arnie. I thought bringing him back was 100% appropriate, especially since they're tying everything together with the first three movies. If they didn't have White back, it would be a major dangling thread. Here's a little behind the scenes for you, though. They filmed the scene where he dies for Quantum of Solace. They cut it from the movie, and now they're able to have this scene now because much like Shaq T in Revenge of the Sith, (laughs) they didn't use the scene, so they're able to use her again for something else. Yeah,
2: I thought he died. That was my memory, was that they they killed him, but they never did. He was in that room in Quantum of Solace. They got distracted, and we just never found out.
0: I think the last time we saw him in Quantum of Solace was the famous opera scene, where he doesn't get up and everybody else gets up.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, see, I wish I had had a chance to rewatch that movie. So I was glad to see him back.
1: He's... Purely functional. We are back in the type of Bond films I don't like. Bond goes one place, gets one clue to go another place, and get one clue to go another place. Here, it feels like Bond goes more places than he usually goes, but he's really just going around and having a functional conversation. It felt like an old time adventure video game, like King's Quest. Oh, I have to go here. He's going to tell me to go there. Now I have to go there, and I learned the password from person A to tell to person B, and. Because that car chase wasn't very exciting, this movie's dragging for me. It really is. The second and third acts of this film are arduous.
2: The reason why that is, is that we already had the meeting with Blofeld. We now want them to engage over a evil plot. Blofeld is going to do something and Bond is going to try and stop this. Not, oh, I need to go find Blofeld again. I didn't want to find him again. I I wanted the plot that we have to go get Pale King, who's going to tell him to go get his daughter, who's going to tell him to go to Lamar Kane or whatever, that's going to tell them to go to the coordinate. I mean, like, that's too many stops along the way. We don't need to spend that much time looking for someone that we already just met.
0: I agree and disagree. I kind of like that it's back to the... Bond formula. I've been asking for this for three movies, for goodness sake, guys. So I agree with you it's a little labored. I did not like, as I mentioned earlier, the pacing in the car chase, just like Arnie didn't like it. I do like that he has to go from one clue to the next clue to the next clue, and I do like this Mr. White scene because it ties everything together. I didn't mind going from place to place to place at all. The problem I'm having is they're doing very little to make it Bondian. It seems very labored. So while they're doing everything correctly, the way they're doing it, in my mind, is not correct. There's no energy where there needs to be energy. Now, to be fair to Sam Mendes and crew here, a lot of the Roger Moore movies do take their time just like this but this is no longer 1981, this is 2015, and we're not used to this, especially in the Craig era. If you look at Skyfall, there are plenty of lulls in there, but most of it has something exciting until they get to the Skyfall section of the movie. So they do somehow mess up the pacing and the excitement and the tension here because the whole thing feels a little bit labored, and I think probably the case in point for going to Austria, that whole boat ride with Austria, uh, is because of the car chase right before it. There was not a big action scene to get us ready for a lull. It kind of felt like a lull going into a lull.
2: I'll tell you what, though. I did get really excited when we go to this all-glass spa clinic thing because that was when i realized what they were doing they are going to hit pit stops from famous specter blofeld moments and we're basically at the chalet from on her majesty's secret service i'm suddenly thinking that oh my god this they're going to he's going to meet his wife and blofeld is going to go skiing and it's going to be really excited I, i got thrilled
0: you're absolutely right i got the exact same vibe and I was really excited for it, about it for a moment. And then uh, it actually got some good dramatic scene there too with the, with the actress, with Bond, when Bond confesses to her who he is and why he's there. I thought the whole scene played out really well too. I thought that was pretty
1: good. I liked it a lot more when Q shows up. And they find out they're in a non-alcoholic area. So Q orders him a digestive shake and Bond's like, skip the middleman, pour it in the toilet.
0: Yes, that was great.
2: It ends up being a better scene for Q than it does for her. Leah Sado, I like her, but she's cheating on this series. She was already in Mission Impossible. Can't she really do both franchises? I think that's like Ryan Reynolds being Green Lantern and Deadpool. I think it works. (laughs) We'll see if it works. My point is that uh, Leah Sadeau, a fine actress, I saw her in the French movie. Uh, Blue is the warmest color. She gave an incredible performance. She's beautiful. Dramatically, I believe they have someone that can have the kind of Vesper-Lind chemistry. But do you ever feel like Madeline Swann is as important as Vesper? I think that they want us to. But this is going to be the girl that helps him get over Vesper forever. I mean, it's potentially could be his new wife. The
1: whole way she says, I'm coming with you, feels obligatory. He could have left her at Lamerican once he finds those coordinates and gone off solo, except it's tradition that Bond have a girl with him, and they've been trying to make them more kick-ass girls. She's the least kick-ass Bond girl of the Craig era, though.
0: Well, she actually can do it. She chooses not to. She chooses to be a pacifist because of who her dad was. They're not setting her up to be the new Vesper. They're setting her up to be the new Tracy.
2: It's yes. completely
0: obvious. So I thought the end of the movie was going to be the end of On Her Majesty's Secret Service. When this scene hit, I'm like, okay, they're going to kill her at the end.
2: Now it's going to be the next movie, right? Yeah. She drives <laughs> off with Bond and Aston
0: Martin at the end of this movie, and Blofeld's still alive. They're going to kill her next movie. It has to be what's going to happen. The biggest problem I had with this character is her age. She looks so much younger, especially when you have Monica Bellucci earlier in the movie. I looked it up afterwards. She's 30. So Mm -hmm. she's not too young, quote unquote. I mean, Craig is in his mid 40s, but it's not, I thought she was like 23. And so I really felt that she was way too young. I agree with you. She's a good actress, but I had a lot of trouble with the age thing throughout the movie.
2: Yeah, they don't have chemistry. I, th- I think no more chemistry than Bond has with any beautiful woman. I, I don't feel like she's special the way that I felt like Eva Green and him just had that sparkling... I mean, when they sat at a dining room table and had a conversation, I was riveted. This is just a cute couple. This is a, a nice shag, but I just think that we are supposed to think that she is the first woman to enter his life to mean something since Vesper. And I'm like, call up Cammie, call up the other ones. Money Penny's looking pretty good. I mean, I just feel like this is still a rebound girl.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel like she deserved the kind of attention she was getting. I do have one question, Brock. You brought up her being a pacifist. And she talks about how somebody came to kill her father and didn't know she was in the house. And so she knew where White kept his gun. And so she pulled out the gun and snuck up on him. Later on, Blofeld is going to say, I remember you. I was at your house. And she's like, well, I have no recollection. He goes, well, I do. Was he the one
0: she
2: pulled the gun on?
0: I thought so. I really did. But they kind of drop it. Why wouldn't he just kill her right there if she was the one who pulled the gun on him?
2: Yeah, I thought she killed the person. I thought she was saying, not only have I used a gun before, but I've actually taken a life, and that's why I don't like them. It could have happened in rewrites. I feel like this ending has been drastically written and rewritten, and I think at one point, yes, they wanted to have her more important to the Blofeld storyline.
0: The answer is, Arnie, it's not entirely clear. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Like
1: so much of this film. Yeah,
0: Well, I don't know. I I think a lot of it is fine. I think everything they're connecting connects. I don't think they've got the weight or the solid enough writing to make it connect in the way or the strength they want us to have it connect. That's the problem I'm having. Everything makes complete sense to me. Whether or not I buy it is completely something else.
2: Yeah. I do get my skiing moment. They do try to abduct her. Hinks is there. And I really like Batista. I mean, I think that, yeah, by him being silent, it gives him a lot to play off with just his face when he's driving and giving sideways glances to Bond in the plane. And the fact that Bond just takes him out with one shot at the end of all of this skiing the plane down the slope here. I, I felt like this stuff was fun. It was fun.
1: I loved driving a plane that has no tail, no wings, and no
2: wheels on the snow that was kind of a music when he's trying to turn my only complaint is that as much as i like bautista i never see him in the same scene as christoph waltz and they don't feel connected as villains so i feel like you needed to have blofeld here in austria as well
0: well, besides the first scene when they were at the table together.
2: But even then, I felt like they could have filmed those on different days. Like, they, they were on other sides of the table. They didn't have any exchange. He Basically, he took over for the guy that was killed in Mexico, and that was the end of it.
0: I like that Batista was there. I wish that they had, um, I, I kind of wish they were on skis, to be honest with you. Yeah. We haven't had a James Bond ski scene in a while. I did like how Bond was able to steer the broken plane into the side of the car at the end of it through a barn or wherever that was. That was a very Bond moment. But the thing that was missing was the right that moment. They missed that. I don't know why they didn't do that there. The Ooh.
1: score in this film is kind of bland. It's not bad, but it's never exciting.
0: Though they actually have a lot of things going on in the score during uh, earlier in the movie. They had a a bunch of weird music underneath the Bellucci scene that I didn't get at all. Yeah, some of the music choices were poor, but this time, it's like kind of like with Pierce Brosnan bursting through the statue with the tank and Goldeneye. They really needed to bring the James Bond theme in there. They had the James Bond theme in the cue scene when they reveal the car, and that's fine, but that was the false cue I kind of ding them for for Tomorrow Never Dies, when they keep on using the Bond theme too much. Here, they missed a key moment But, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's still a great moment for Bond to crash through all that stuff and crash into the side of the car.
2: Yeah, there seems to be still a reluctance to play up fun here. I feel like everything has a a weightiness, a heaviness, a solemn spectral quality. They don't ever want it to get too more, or even Connery. I feel like they still want to keep Craig solemn and angry because they're trying to emphasize the drama at this point. And it was something I loved about Casino Royale, that they took that moment for him to quit and go off with Vesper, and they invested in a woman character that they never had before. I don't care about these scenes in Tangiers, though. That she doesn't want to sleep with him, and that they got to hang out at this Lamericaine hotel. Why didn't he just send her to the American hotel to begin with? Why didn't Pale King leave his daughter alone? Bond has endangered her by putting him under his protection.
1: Yeah, and she says she doesn't want to sleep with him, and then she starts, like, talking in her sleep, but what she says is... I didn't catch it as being anything important.
0: I found it strange, though, when they found the secret room that he found the actual door. (laughs) He didn't even use a stud finder. He just pokes his fist through the wall and happens to be the actual door to the secret room. That made me laugh.
1: I liked when he was interrogating the mouse. I thought that was yes. the cutest moment of the thing. I, I thought he might shoot the mouse and the mouse leads him to the door. A fleet funny moment.
0: Oh, another funny moment though, unintentionally of course, is Bond is going through this room is full of old spy equipment, old spy things. It's obviously a place that's not been visited in quite some time and Bond finds a stack of videotapes and one of the videotapes says, Vesper Lynd interrogation and I started laughing because while it's very funny I have all these old spy things here, Vesper Lind was interrogated, what, 5, six, ten years <laughs> ago on a videotape? Not a digital file, not a CD or a DVD, no, a videotape. That made me laugh out loud.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what they're getting at by doing this. I think that we're supposed to think that he doesn't want to know what she might have said and how true her love for him might have been. Like, how much was it about the other guy? If he watched that tape, he would have a lot of things confirmed and would probably be very painful. So he avoids watching it for that reason, I'm guessing. It's very confusing. I didn't get it either. I'm
1: like, why did you even bring it up?
0: I agree. It should not have been there because if Bond reacts to it the way he does, he's trying to say, I'm moving on or I'm hiding from it, but it's not entirely clear. We're, we're supposed to think that after Quantum of Solace, he has let her go completely. But with everything connecting here and his past coming back to haunt him and Vesper is constantly brought up in this movie with pictures by Blofeld and this scene with the videotape, it seems that they don't want him to let her go, even though he's trying so desperately to do so, or at least he thinks he already has.
2: I feel like they keep setting up Madeline to be this replacement, that, that by, you know, showing Eva and reminding us of Esper Lynn that we're supposed to think that this is the solution. I, I Yeah, I thought we were over this. I thought we were beyond this. I thought that this one would be more standalone than it is, that they keep going back to Casino Royale. I hope this is the last one. I hope that they don't need to do this anymore, but... I guess they're just giving him another Vesper because I don't know how the life expectancy of Madeline is really going to be in
0: future stories.
2: But they get a romantic train. And again, if I was thinking about famous Spectre moments, that brings me back to From Russia With Love.
0: Big time. The big fight with Hinks on the train, completely reminiscent of the From Russia With Love train fight, but just brought up a few notches. I thought this was the best fight scene in the whole movie. I loved almost every second of this scene. It was so much fun to watch.
2: Agreed. The moment where his coat catches on fire and he has to, like, take it off, like, and that gives Bond a break to, like, get up from the <laughs> beating. It was, yeah, this fight, I know that they won an Oscar for their sound design for Skyfall. And I feel like, yeah, in this scene, the whales, every time they're they're slugging each other, the, the, the pop is just like, oh, it's wince-inducing. I love this fight. Oh, yeah.
1: This one is really physical. I love that it makes it believable that Daniel Craig could stand toe-to-toe with Bautista. I met Bautista. He's a big man. I wonder how they squeezed him into that tiny sports car earlier in the movie. (laughs) They made the jaws of life to escape him, I think. But when he's smashing Bond through the wall like that, this is a good fight. And I do love—you're right. It's a very Jaws look of— what? When that rope goes around his neck, and then it looks like his lips say shit, but his mouth says shoot, or the word says shoot.
0: Yeah, they actually drop a few S-bombs, if you call them that, and they have, they have assholeness. A lot of cursing in this James Bond film, it didn't. Last movie, they had one. This one, they had like three or four. It's kind of interesting. I really was hoping he'd come back after that. I thought it was a, a funny way for him to go off a train like that. We don't actually see the, the body bounce so we don't really know he's quote-unquote dead.
1: Yeah. Now that you guys have said that he would have come back like Oddball, that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah, he very much is Oddball, a combination of Red Grant, Oddball, and Jaws. hmm What I love about it also is that James Bond got beat. He did not win that fight. Yeah. It was really great to see that James Bond still has limits. And look at Madeline handle a gun. They brought it up earlier, and I said it earlier, she was a pacifist, she chooses not to, but the way she handled the gun was wonderful and it was appropriate and of course she is the daughter of an assassin so that was really kind of cool moment for her although she's out of the fight for most of it I'm glad she wasn't getting beaten as badly as Bond was throughout thank goodness.
2: It gets them together if she can get back into the mode of killing it makes her more willing to sleep with Bond and they I love that they have sex right after this like what do you do after you just literally almost lost your life you go back to your uh, room and work it out until you arrive at some desolate deep This is where the movie gets real strange for me. I honestly can honestly say there feels like huge gaps once they're let off at these coordinates that I don't even really understand what the coordinates were to. I guess it's the transmission for all Spectre information goes into this hub. Is that where they're going?
0: That's what I got from it, yes.
1: Okay. Maybe he liked the desert. Maybe it was good for his allergies. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
2: a you only live twice moment, like having Blofeld you know, operating underneath a volcano. Here, he's in a crater of a meteor.
0: Isn't that awesome, guys? Again, it's, awesome. it's a James Bond moment. We've finally got another thing we've missing is a giant villain base. Yeah. And we have it. And instead of a volcano, it's a crater. And to get it home that it's kind of an old-fashioned thing, they have the 1945 Rolls Royce. They have all the old fashioned, like Frank Lloyd Wright kind of furniture going around. It was very old fashioned, but very modern at the same time. Oh, oh, did you catch that they walk into a room full of people? They weren't fighting, but they were typing on computers. But it was very much like you open a door and people are training. It's kind of the modern take on that. So a lot of cool elements they're bringing back that were from old James Bond movies again. And this was one of them. So I got very happy that we had that. But again, it made no sense. It looked so the 1950s take on the future and what Mm -hmm. the future would look like. And that was weird to me. They could have had a modern building there. Uh, Instead, they used this space-age Epcot kind of stuff.
2: I like it. I mean, I, I like all the production design in this. Every time we're in the world, however realistic it may be, I, I won't say, but I do enjoy being there. I did go out and seek out the leaked script after I saw this movie. I wanted to know because things feel off here in this third act, like, what, what was going out there? And I didn't read it, but I actually read some of the executive notes. And I think they were really on point here in that what is being learned here? What does Blofeld want? They even had a character at one one point, I think they wisely excised. They had like a Clep, who was like this evil lesbian that would be hitting on Madeline while Bond was talking with Blofeld. And you don't need all that. You don't need that callback here. But I I get a sense that once we get back to Blofeld, they don't know what to do.
0: I thought they had Irma Blunt in the the boardroom scene, by the way. The woman there, I thought that was a new Irma Blunt.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay, then that, yeah, that was the character. So she had a a larger role, I guess. I'm not into Madeline, so uh, I'm not into that idea. But I'm not really into this, let's torture Bond in the chair with dentistry tools or something.
1: Yeah, can we discuss now Blofeld's whole plot? Because I don't get it. Did he create an evil empire just to go after Bond? Is this like the most convoluted long-winded revenge plot in history? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think happened, Arnie, is he had all these plans for world domination. James Bond started poking his nose in there, and once he realized who the guy was that was poking his nose in there, he realized he knew them, and he's going to make it personal. But I don't think he knew that James Bond was going to be a secret agent when he started making all these mastermind plans. I think it's a massive coincidence, because I don't see... Anybody in the right mind taking over the world to get back at one guy. I think it's related. And
2: yet this is a guy that faked his own death and killed his father in an avalanche because his father was showing more love towards an adoptive brother.
0: Why not just kill James Bond then, too? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And is it just that he's evil and the Empire was his thing and it was coincidence that James Bond was getting in the way? Or was he intentionally targeting Bond. I mean, there was no way for him to know Bond would make double O and go after Le Chiffre right when he did, right? I mean, this was, Bond was meddling in his criminal affairs, not, he had this entire criminal empire just to go after Bond. I don't know. It's not made clear to me. I don't know what Blofeld wants, and that is a big problem with any villain. I don't know why he wants information. I don't know what he's gone through to get after Bond. It's all oh, really vague. The only thing I get is he has a white pussy.
2: Yeah, they gotta do that. And, you know, it's fun. That's, it's a, it's a moment for the fans. I, I'm waiting for him to get scarred up though and maybe put in a wheelchair, right? I mean, it's weird. He's walking around with loafers. And I'm like, that ain't right. I don't want to be seeing your loafers. I want with him. With no socks. In the chair. Yeah, it was bugging me. It was bugging me. I'm like, yeah, you gotta be crippled. And, and they kind of do that here. Or at least I think that's what they're doing when Bond gets out of this torture chair with the help of his Omega watch.
0: Woohoo! Q Gadget saves Bond's life. We got another moment back. I was very happy with that. I didn't like the drilling into a skull, but I did like the fact that Q had to come through for him. Isn't that great?
1: All right, I got another question here. This movie's so nebulous to me at this point. Blofeld says... I'm going to drill into this part of your brain, and it's going to give you facial dysplasia, so you don't recognize any face, and this swan you supposedly love, you won't recognize her. And then he drills into Bond's head, and I'm like, cool, so they did that, so he won't recognize her. And in fact, there were scenes right after, he's like, oh, I'd recognize you anywhere. Do I believe it? Not necessarily. And then when he escapes, he like stops and looks at her a few times. And I'm like, did he really get crippled? Does he now not recognize faces? No, that's not the case. But it... I. Would have been nice if there was some damage. Does Blofeld just have bad aim with a tiny drill?
0: He said, I have to hit the right place to get this to work. And he didn't. He missed.
2: That should have been clearer.
0: Yeah, don't
2: do this if, if it doesn't have an impact. I guess this is like the ball smashing scene, whatever. We just want to see a, a gross moment that makes you really feel for Bond. And, you know, it, it, it works in that way, I suppose. But I just, yeah, I don't really like that all of a sudden everything is exploding. Like a couple gunshots and all of this information tower is a, a ball of flames.
0: It did happen rather quickly.
2: And it should be said, they're, they're now all heading back to London. This movie's not over because, of course, C has gotten approval for his device. He has scared the holdout. South Africa was the only one not willing to sign on, so they engineered some terrorist attack that now politically pressures South Africa to sign on, and this... New system is going into play. What does it matter if Blofeld is dead?
0: Well, he's not actually dead.
2: Well, yeah, we'll find that out, and that's bizarre. But I would think that the the threat of of the the program is greatly diminished if there's no more head to the octopus, or if you believe there was.
0: Yes. I think this guy, uh, you said it earlier... That perhaps he feels that the idea is sound, so maybe he's not one of Blofeld's minions. I think he's one of Blofeld's minions. I think he knows something we don't, and the plan keeps going. I did want to say one thing though. Wasn't M in the last movie all about how the double O program is antiquated, and now he's fighting a guy who said the exact same thing he did in the last movie this entire time?
2: Well he's gonna get fired too. He he's okay with firing Bond and, and other ones, but I don't think Ray Fiennes wants to be put on the chopping block.
0: Right. I I, I just felt <laughs> I don't think it It worked for me that Mallory was fighting for Bond so quickly after the last movie because he was taking that point of view last time.
2: Yeah, I want to see them brought together to fight something, but that they're basically trying to fight a system going online. Well, you have Q. He's going to hack it. Doesn't really need them driving around London. And you definitely don't need Madeline. So when she's like, I can't be with you anymore, I'm like, (laughs) "Okay, see ya. (laughs) Bye-bye. <laughs> Doesn't mean a thing to me. I mean, I, you were just the one for this this show. We don't. You're not the love of Bond's life. But somehow she gets abducted and brought to the burned-out MI6 building, and Bond gets abducted to go there and try and rescue her in, in three minutes. This is bad. Like, we can admit, this, as a setup, maybe not an execution, but as a setup, this is a poor climax to what we had. Incredibly. I
1: couldn't believe how this went. I mean, that... They escaped at Africa so easily and blew up his whole base. And they all head back to London, including Blofeld. And then they do this Blofeld, like Hannibal Lecter thing where he's behind a glass wall. and
0: They do a Scaramanga Funhouse thing from the man with the golden gun first, where they have Bond's face on targeting and they have mm-hmm. pictures from Bond's past making him go through. This is your life sort of thing. And they put him behind the glass. What got me more than anything else was not one, but two ticking clocks. <laughs> and I don't like when they have the actual clocks on the screen telling us we have this much time to solve this problem. It happens throughout Bond movies. It happens through a lot of movies, but they had two of them here. Nah, that tells me there's some bad writing going on.
1: I am just keep thinking about how Captain America did this better with the countdown till the massive intelligence system goes online. It even had more danger in Captain America because when it went online, it was going to kill a bunch of people. Here, it was going to start business intelligence reporting, maybe give some dashboarding?
2: <laughs> I was going to say something that I haven't wanted to, but uh, but I will now. I like Christoph Waltz. I've liked him in the Tarantino movies. I liked him in the beginning of this movie. I'm mad at him at this point. He has not changed the performance to be angrier. He's scarred up. He. We've been told that he's vindictive. I would like to see this facade of smiling placidity become something a little more menacing. And he's here with the scar makeup and all. Of that, And I still feel like he's underplaying it. I still feel like he's just, you know, giving the grin and, and strolling around. And I'm like, no, I want you angrier. I want you to be a threat now.
0: Actually, I got that off of him in the facility when he showed Swan the video of her father's death. I found him very menacing in that scene. It, it took a turn in there that I loved a lot. Here, I agree with you. I think he could have been a little angrier, but I do like what he's doing with the role. I still think it's a good casting choice, and I know that the next time around, he's going to be what we want from Blofeld.
2: I would hope so. Yeah, it's not really a performance of... uh, It's not really a criticism of Waltz overall. I think he's right for this role. I think he'd be great. I think he's just been disserviced by bad material. And I get the sense that he doesn't understand the scene any more than we do, and so he's just not (laughs) doing anything here. He's like, yeah, I just showed up just to Tell you that I'm leaving, and I got. There's only one person in this entire building, but I guess it's like Vesper in that in that glass chamber or whatever. They're trying to hearken back to that, but it just it's not working for me at all. Me either. I, as I already said, I like Christoph Waltz, and
1: here I'm really let down by him. I'm let down. I think he's giving all he has to give. I don't think he's phoning it in. The script doesn't do him well. Definitely not. The script goes to shit, to put it bluntly.
0: I think we're all in agreement on this one. I think the ending of this movie is underwritten and uh, takes a lot of the fun out of it and takes a lot of the menace out of it. So yeah, the whole ending of this movie is a head-scratcher. Another thread that they didn't really capitalize on is C and M have a fight in the office and, and C falls out of the window and we have M staring over the banister or whatever as if it looks like he killed him, like he actually pushed him off there. And wouldn't that have been a kind of interesting thread that M is set up for the murder of C, because nobody knows that C is a bad guy yet. And all these cops and things are starting to come around. Wouldn't it be great if M was arrested and had to figure out how to explain it all? But they completely dropped that, apparently, and that's fine. I thought they were going to go something deep there as well. No.
2: They could pick up on that in the next movie, but by that point, no one will care, so probably not. You're right. It's odd that that villain is taken out. I guess they needed him to fight somebody. It it helps put him back in alignment with Bond. He spent most of this movie against Bond, and now they're aligned, which means that I'm ready for you know, Bond uh, to play along. But no, basically, he's going to not even kill Blofeld. He's going to shoot down his helicopter and then go for a kiss instead of putting the bullet in the guy and
0: quit. The shot that Bond makes with a handgun, to the screenwriter's credit, they make him take like 10 shots, but a handgun in the dark (laughs) on a helicopter that's dark in the sky, that's an incredible shot to make with a handgun. But again, they they make him have a lot of shots, so it's quote-unquote plausible.
1: I was just rolling my eyes at this. There's too many villains who escape implausible situations. With Skiara at the very first scene escaping the bomb, Blofeld not walking away, but crawling away from the helicopter. This climax didn't do anything for me. It's bad that I found the MC fight, which sounds like a rap battle, (laughs) more exciting than the Bond-Blofeld bit.
0: So MC squares off? Ah!
1: Ah! But... There's the one thing, early on in the movie, M is trying to tell C that double O's are better than drones, because have you ever killed a man? Because you do your research, you do your homework, but then you have to look him in the eye and make a choice to kill. A double O license isn't just a license to kill, it's a license to not kill. Okay, for all the shit Blofeld has pulled, why doesn't Bond pull the trigger? I get from a script reason. Bond started off as a dull instrument a killer and that was the case well through Quantum where he was just this rogue killer but
2: here he has a real reason to kill they're
1: telling us he doesn't but I don't buy it
2: i can tell you why because i read the notes uh sony executive said that was too brutal it was in the script he was going to put it right here he was going to walk up to him shoot him and then go off with the girl and instead they wrote her as a girl that doesn't like guns and thus in order to get her um he can't shoot blofeld and claims to be out of bullets but it was a flinching by the studio they thought it would make bond look too brutal And
1: by claiming to be out of bullets, we see him unload the gun and throw the bullets away. And that's why he's out of bullets.
2: Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah.
0: Also, it would have been an execution. The man was severely hurt on a bridge looking up at him and he's saying, go ahead, do it, do it. It would have been an execution. And while Bond is definitely, he's a double O agent, he's supposed to be able to do that sort of thing. I can see that it would be a time to be a bit brutal.
1: Well, he's executed others in the Craig era before, so it wouldn't be out of character.
0: I completely agree with you. It would not have been out of character. I also don't want Blofeld to die. As a Bond fan, I don't want him to. I want him to live. If any villain's going to live, it's going to be Blofeld, at least for one more movie. So, and again, I thought they were going to do something at the end. Still at this point, I thought he was going to kill Tracy, uh, excuse me, Madeline at the end in a drive-by shooting. I really thought they were going to get married at the end of this movie.
2: Yeah, they must be saving that storyline. They teased us. You know, even in the ads, the print ads for Spectre, they had that bullet pole glass image that I always think about when I think about the ending of Majesty's Secret Service. It was used behind the Spectre logo, and I thought for sure that they were telling us that similar things would play out. But uh, we have to wait for them. We we just see a happy couple going off.
0: When they shot the glass, when Blofeld was behind the glass, I was looking at the bullet hole to see if it made the Spectre symbol like in the ads, and I couldn't tell. I was kind of hoping they would make that little uh, association. So, Stuart, Arnie, do you recommend Spectre? Stuart.
2: Stirred, not shaken. You know, I think this one is okay. It's, it's a very stately museum piece. I don't mean that as a dig. I left this theater smiling, satisfied. I looked around me. Many of the people were the same. But it was like a crowd pouring out of an art gallery. It would did not feel like an action movie. Wow, that was amazing, blown away. You know, it's pristine. Spectre is classy. It's a, an expensive representation of things. We've seen dozens of times before. You find yourself admiring the technique, the attention to detail, the materials used, but the subject matter is almost irrelevant. You know, I, I just felt like the story here is meaningless. And so, you know, that's a disappointment only when you consider that Craig has been associated with ones where characters and story mattered so much. Casino Royale, Skyfall clearly highlights... My question is, is this better or worse than Quantum of Solace? I think I'm going to say this is Craig's worst film. I know many people don't like Quantum of Solace, so that may sound like a dig to Spectre. But I thought it was okay, garbled as it was. This movie is also garbled. It's just a little less exciting, frankly. And, you know, Quantum had an advantage of being fast-paced and didn't overstay its welcome. This movie lingers in its second half without doing anything particularly exciting. So it's a recommend, but on the lower end of things. It barely misses my Bond top 10. I put it at 11, just behind For Your Eyes Only and ahead of Live and Let Die.
1: And for me, it's been three movies of Bond Begins. On all those reviews, we're like, oh, we thought Bond was there now. Well, the gun barrel sequence at the beginning says, hey, we have our fully formed James Bond. I'm sure that for longtime Bond fans like you, Brock, this is a good thing. For Craig era Bond fans like me, I don't think it is. We're back to convoluted plots where single dropped lines causes Bond to globetrod and face off against an evil mastermind. And okay, I, I agree with Stuart. I mean, the script here isn't good. You didn't need to bring Sam Mendes back if this is what Sam Mendes was going to do. Skyfall was so well done with a great mastermind. Yeah, it ripped off Nolan a little bit, but it did it in good ways and had a real sense of menace and threat. Here, I don't get the downside if they start spying on us all, because as I said, I think they are already. With as silly as this movie gets, you didn't need to bring back Mendes. Bring back, I don't know if they're still alive, but Guy Hamilton or... John Glenn or Michael Apted. I mean, they made bland Bond films, too. So... But it cost a lot less. Absolutely. I came in with really high expectations after Skyfall and after Casino Royale. I came in with high expectations, and this didn't live up. I mean, this goes among those middling movies that I recommended, like You to a Kill. The score is bland, and I can tell I'm not having a good time at a movie, When I'm checking my watch. Well, I didn't wear my watch to this movie. So I can tell I'm really not having a good time when I'm thinking in my mind, okay, so when Bond goes to the funeral, that's the beginning of act two. Okay. (laughs) And so we're meeting Swan. We're probably in act three. Something's going to happen eventually. I mean, I was parsing the acts knowing it's a four act structure in the seat. And most of all, I feel like Craig is sleepwalking through this one. I rewatched the others getting here. He's always been somewhat emotionless, but he always brought life behind his eyes. Here, he says he doesn't want to come back for another one. I feel he doesn't want to come back for this one. <laughs> but the first 12 minutes, the, before the credits roll, I thought we might be better than Skyfall, as great as that was. It is an amazing, nearly silent action movie. It's just the more people talk, the more inane the plot gets. But it's still a mile above Quantum of Solace. That's what I'll give it. It's not the worst Craig Bond. It's the second to worst Craig Bond. Mild recommend.
0: You know, I've been asking for three movies now. I want to return back to traditional James Bond movies. Spectre gives me that. So the lesson here is be careful what you wish for. Mm. We start off with a gun barrel sequence. We get the formulas back intact. We have... Everything is there, just mildly different. As I brought up before, Monica Belushi doesn't die, but we have a girl who makes Bond take his first step. We have a cue scene. We have the car chase. We have a formidable henchman. We got a villain with a big old base. We have every element that I want that has been missing from a James Bond film for the past three in this movie. The problem is, it's not that exciting in parts. And so while I get my James Bond movie, they gave me a middle-of-the-road Roger Moore James Bond movie rather than a Golden Eye. So for me, as a James Bond fan, I'm very happy the James Bond films are back. But I really wish they did something a little more modern with the formula. Even though the formula needs to have those beats... And they tried to play with it. The way they played with it, I was not happy with. So perhaps we can have a golden eye next time, but I think they're going to remake on Her Majesty's Secret mm-hmm. Service next time. So next time we're going to get another kind of Vesper love story, which I think all of us really do want because of Craig's acting and what he's shown us in the past. All that being said, with my disappointments being there, I feel this is a pretty good James Bond film if you look in the scope of James Bond films. We have seen so many other worse James Bond films, and the action scenes, when they do work here, do work wonderfully. I do like Christoph Waltz. I do like Daniel Craig, and Swan, actually, is one of the better wasted Bond girls. There's plenty of girls that don't do a lot, but she has enough that makes me like her more than a Holly Goodhead for example.
1: I still prefer Good Head.
0: I think we all do. I think, uh, anyway, I think it's important to point out that this movie is very flawed, but it's still a good watch. I had a good time watching for the most part. I completely agree with you guys in the third act, but the third act of The World Is Not Enough is also disappointing, and I gave that a recommend, Denise Richards aside. So I'm going to give this also a mild recommend because it is a good enough James Bond movie. It's not the James Bond movie that we want, but it certainly is much better than a lot of other entries in the series. And as far as ranking with Craig... This is above Quantum of Solace for me, too. Rewatching Quantum of Solace in preparation for today for the links for Quantum to Spectre that I was anticipating, which did come, I actually enjoyed Quantum of Solace the most I ever have. Me, too. The third time through, apparently, is the charm for Quantum (laughs) of Solace.
1: I I was not nearly as critical. It still had a lot of flaws. I still wouldn't recommend it, but it wasn't nearly as painful.
0: You want to hear something funny? I've only watched Quantum of Solace for now playing. (laughs) Because I reviewed it in 2008 and I reviewed it for 2012 and then now again. So that's anyway. So yeah, it, it's uh, hopefully next time they return to the more deeper bonds that Craig has given us, but at the same time give us the James Bond movie that we want. So yeah. Uh, hey, look, they got Q scenes back here. That's a bonus. I, and and so we have to we have to acknowledge that they heard us. They gave us what we want, but now just give it to us better. Yeah. It
1: seemed obligatory that since they had such a great cast with Money, Penny, M, and Q that they had to give them something to do other than be there in the beginning to send Bond on his way. I feel like this is becoming more of a Mission Impossible-like ensemble than a James Bond-starring vehicle because of the caliber of people they have on set. That said, this movie has left me totally ambivalent. Beforehand, I'm like, oh no, how could they do more Bond without Craig? Craig is the greatest Bond. After seeing this, I'm like... I don't really care if he comes back or not. I just hope they get a better script.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you realize how important it is that they get everything else right. As good as Craig still is in this part, if he is not given good material, then he just looks cranky.
0: It always comes down to the script, guys, especially in James Bond movies. But every movie, the script has to be good. That's all there is to it. Spectre will not hit my top 10. It will definitely be in the middle there. Remember, if I ranked all the James Bond movies, I said, you know, one through eight or nine is solid for me, bottom five is solid, and there's a whole bunch of movies in the middle that on any given day can be in different ranking, this one's right there in the middle. I'm sure I'll rewatch it and enjoy certain parts, um, but it's it's not like a moonraker for me where I enjoy some of it, but I only watch those certain parts. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll just go back and watch the, the train fight again.
1: Who knows? I intended to watch every James Bond film this year leading up to this. <laughs> I really did. I was going to relive our retrospective but i'm a little busy i'm approaching my 200th movie this year because of the now playing book so I didn't have a chance. Maybe three or four years from now, whatever the next Bond is, I will re-watch them at a more leisurely pace than when we did our retrospective series and be able to revisit my rankings and find exactly where it is. I know this is a green arrow. I was hard on it, but it has some good moments. It kept me entertained for the first and last half hour. So it's going to be on the upper end, given that it's a green arrow, but it's on the lower end
2: of the green arrows, whereas Quantum was on the upper end of the Reds. Craig still hasn't failed me, but the question is, was this the last Craig one? As you pointed out, Brock, it would be terrible if he walked away, leaving us in this lurch, that he's driving off with a woman, and then we have another actor with that woman next time, or they don't even address that storyline. They just start anew. Oof. That's standard Bond. I mean, Christmas only comes once
1: a year was the last line of the world is not enough, and yet we didn't see Denise Richards ever again, thank God.
2: I never got the sense that he was in love with Denise Richards. He was just going to spend two weeks with
1: her. I never got the sense he was in love with Swan. I mean, I know the script's trying to tell me that. I didn't feel it.
0: Yeah, the script is trying to tell us a whole bunch of stuff that we have to do homework for or actually help the script along to get to where they want us to be. You're absolutely right about that. But in this movie is clearly telling us Bond is going to end up with this woman, she will be around. I did not get the... At the end of every movie, James Bond's making love to the girl, he's attempting re-entry or whatever the lines are, and <laughs> and the girl doesn't come back. We know that already. But this one feels different. This one really does. I said it before, I'll say it again. They are seriously setting her up to be Tracy.
1: Honestly, the way I feel about this movie, if I never see Blofeld or Swan again, I'd be happy. Wow. I mean, it just, it didn't do anything for me. I have no reason to want this movie to have a sequel. I want Craig to have another Bond film, and I want it to be great, but a sequel to this? It's time to break continuity. Let's ha- let's go back and, like we did with Skyfall, have an amazing one-off adventure instead of trying to bring back Blofeld. I, I didn't love Blofeld in the old days, and I really don't like him in modern.
2: Well, as someone that did like Blofeld, I want him back. I want Christoph Waltz back. If it isn't Craig, I think it will be weird, is what it is. I didn't realize Craig has to go, and if Craig doesn't want to be there, he probably shouldn't be made to do it against his will. But I do feel like I want some kind of closure on this storyline, even if it is a death at the opening scene or an opening scene in which he calls her and we find out they split up shortly afterwards and she has nothing to do with him again because she decided to be pacifist again. I don't know what it is, but they need to wrap this up with the characters that they showed us in this movie. And then, yes, get us to a fun movie that is breaking away from sort of this morose funereal feel that I just feel like is not helping Bond at this point.
0: If they make Blofeld and Bond related, they're going to have to bring Craig back for at least one more of those so they can kill Blofeld You know what I mean? I mean, it'd be great if Blofeld stuck around and is always there in the background. So Bond fights a mini villain, but still can't find Blofeld kind of thing. That'd be kind of great. So you can't find Red Skull, so you fight somebody else, whatever. So I I think that'd be kind of a nice way, but they're not going to do that. No, that would
1: be anticlimactic for me. I want to see him go after the big bad.
0: Exactly right. So they're not going to do that. It's not Skeletor and He-Man. So they have to go and kill Blofeld. And if they don't do it next film, They're going to do it. The one after that, and the one after that is definitely not star Daniel Craig.
1: I think there's enough money in the world. The world is enough to bring (laughs) him back.
0: He'll be over 50 at that point, and they ditched Pierce Brosnan on that. And speaking of that, yes, I think Idris Elba would be a fantastic James Bond, folks. I think we all do. He's already aged out of the role. Get over it, internet. He can't have the role. There's no way they're going to hire him. He's already pushing... What, he's Daniel Craig's age or something close to it? Yeah, But I... So, I mean, they missed the opportunity there. So ideally, they'll find somebody, and they will. They found Daniel Craig. They will find somebody else who will bring something awesome to James Bond. Uh, But whoever that is, I don't think we know who that is yet, folks. And we'll find that out as time comes.
1: And speaking of time coming, Brock, it was great having you back. You're going to be back again really soon. Not only is James Bond getting a sequel this year, but a series we did that we called a dead series, because we thought it would never get another sequel. Rocky is getting another sequel, or a spinoff <laughs> or something, with Creed coming out Thanksgiving.
2: And it actually looks good. This looks like a good ending to the trilogy. I never did see Rocky V or six. I don't know if it was something I wanted to return to, but this
0: one I actually want to see. I like the idea of this one. They're not doing a reboot. They're not saying we're going to start from scratch. What they're doing is a realistic spinoff So they're handing it off with Rocky. Although the preview gives a lot away.
1: The second preview gives too much away.
0: Yeah, way too much. They didn't need to give us that connection. They didn't really need to tell us that. But anyway, I love the idea of this. And I think if you're going to make a continuation of a series, this is how you do it. And especially for fans like us who know the series, but for people who don't know the series, you don't have to because Rocky's the old guy. He's the Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars, right? You don't need that. So it's going to be kind of cool. I'm really looking forward to it. And I think of all the sequels... In the world, I would think this would never have happened. Honestly, I can picture another Rambo happening. I can picture another Fright Night happening. I would never thought they would come back to another Rocky movie. So let's see what happens.
1: Yep, so you, I, and Jacob are going to be reconvening on that. It won't be week of release. We're going to be doing it after because next week we're getting back to what everybody's just been Asking again and again, when are you getting back to Star Wars? When are you getting back to Star Wars? When are you doing real Star Wars movies instead of those Ewok things? Well, the answer is one week from today, we're going to the prequels where we finally review The Phantom Menace.
0: Okie okay day? Misa looking forward to that one. <laughs> you the people
2: gonna bitch? Yeah, I think there are. <laughs> uh, I, I'm on that podcast. <laughs> so, yes, the people is a gonna bitch. <laughs> And don't forget,
1: also, if you want to hear a bonus review this Friday, our Hunger Games series is continuing, and this week we're going to catch fire like Dave Bautista in this film.
2: <laughs> it's true, and I do—they do up their game. I do feel like this is where the movies really get it together. I uh, hope you can join us Friday for our Silver Level Donation series. We'll be finishing up, of course, with Mockingjay Part Two in three weeks, and I'm going to give my little
1: spiel here. I, really think this is important. I'm hearing a lot of people say that they're not interested in the Hunger Games. And I'm I'm hearing it loud and clear from our listeners. And they say, I'm not going to donate for the Hunger Games. And I think there's a message being lost here. When you donate to Now Playing, you're donating for Star Wars. You're donating for James Bond. You're donating to keep our show alive. And without listener support, we can't do it. The podcasts, they are thank you guess. But a lot of times I will donate to a charity and they say, here's your tote bag. And I go, great. And it goes to the goodwill. I don't want the tote bag. I want to support that cause. So I'm hoping that people who enjoy this show and enjoy the Star Wars shows will support Now Playing. I've heard people tell me, well, if you'd made Star Wars donation, I would have donated for it. Then please donate for it because we need your support to keep doing the in-depth, weekly never a break shows we do so you can donate by clicking the banner at the top of nowplayingpodcast.com if you're not interested in hunger games for 25 dollars or more you get to hear us review all the quentin tarantino films and for 35 dollars or more you get to hear even more tarantino related films like from dusk till dawn four rooms the full grindhouse experience natural born killers and my personal favorite true romance and if you're not into any of that Maybe you like the stuff we've done. Maybe you like some of the stuff we're going to be doing next year. Like getting back to DC Comics as we lead up to Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. I mean, we've got a lot of shows planned for next year, as well as finishing out this year with Rocky, Star Wars. We need your support to do it. And we thank you all who have supported us this season and hope that you'll continue to support us because we are working hard to bring you the best shows we can on the main feed and on the donation feed. You've gotten us so far. Thank you for everyone who's ever donated, and we hope that you can do it again this holiday season.
0: So until next time, Now Playing will return. That sounds like a dismissal. I was rather looking forward to breakfast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Now Playing James Bond Retrospective Series. Job's done. The bitch is dead. At our website, nowplayingpodcast.com, you can find reviews of every installment in the James Bond series, as well as other series such as The Avengers, Batman, Spider-Man, Predator, Rocky, Rambo, and many more. I thought Christmas only comes once a year. You will also find individual movie reviews such as Kingsman, The Secret Service, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Talk here, listen here. So that's what I've been doing wrong all these years. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Shame.
1: We barely got to know each other.
0: You can also follow NowPlaying on Facebook and Twitter where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. Just do as I say, will you? Yes, James. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I take it that this is not a social call, 007.
2: Correct. You should have brought lilies.
0: Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating.
2: Em really doesn't mind you earning a little money on the side. She'd just prefer it if it wasn't selling secrets.
0: You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website nowplayingpodcast.com So you put your money where your mouth is? You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. That's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. Now Playing's James Bond retrospective series is edited by Arnie. One rises to meet a challenge. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Do you
1: want a clean kill or do you want to send a message?
0: Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM UA Entertainment Company, Columbia Pictures, or Warner Brothers Pictures, and no infringement is intended. That depends on your definition of safe sex. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Nganza Media Incorporated.
2: This never happened to the other fella.
0: Now playing as a Vinganza Media Production, copyright 2015. All rights reserved. I assume you have no regrets. I don't.
2: What about you?
1: Of course not. I'll be unprofessional. So Bond goes to Austria, meets with Mr. White, and finds out the assassin has been poisoned. Bond offers to protect White's daughter if White gives up the information on how to find Oberhauser. White agrees before shooting himself dead with Bond's gun. Bond then goes to meet White's daughter, psychologist Dr. Madeline Swan, played by Lisa Saydu.
2: What is that? I, I've never seen so many helicopters. It's like a SWAT team. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's one, two, three, four, five, six helicopters passing.
0: Holy shit. Wow. Holy cow.
2: <laughs> so, uh-huh, trouble uh-huh. at the
1: beach. <laughs> Whenever I hear something like that, I think of that line from Robocop 2 They're gonna kick somebody's ass! (laughs) Using Swan's information, they track Oberhauser to a secret base in North Africa. And there, Bond learns the backstory of this criminal mastermind. It turns out Oberhauser. (laughs) Now now follow me on that
2: line. I'm sorry. What's that? I'm still enjoying your RoboCop line. I'm sorry to interrupt.
1: <laughs> Man, I was just adrenalized and so excited for this film. And then Sam Mendes sings. But, you know, it happens.
0: <laughs> not, not Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes singing would could have been worse. <laughs> no, it would have be, been better. It
2: would have been real a lot better than what Sam Smith? Did
1: though. I like that they incorporated footage from the previous films and made it seamlessly part of the opening credits. It got me excited. Again, I knew...
0: Did you say
2: seamlessly?
0: I was going to let that go.
2: I wasn't. It was very seamlessly.
0: (laughs) The way the ink floated, very seamlessly. It was.
2: I was having a lot of aquatic delight. (laughs) going to find out is that there was someone always above them, like an octopus, I suppose, controlling all the tentacles. We're going to get that seamlessly here. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: They showed us the Vesper and they showed us the I was hoping they would show green. I actually did go back and watch Quantum of Silas. Silas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> None of I, us can speak today. <laughs> I
0: went back Yeah, this car is tricked out for 009. Apparently they do that now, I guess. I don't know.
2: Have we ever met 009? That's we we don't know who that is, right? No, unfortunately not. None of the 00s matter unless they're the villain in Goldeneye.
0: Or they die in Octopussy. Yes. Yes. Um, so we've helicopters, you had buses, you had garbage trucks. Do you kind have a boat soon that's going to come right mm, by your house?
2: Yeah. Is your window open? No, it's wow. like this on the beach I just We get a lot of air traffic It's by two airports And people and they patrol the beach this way So I don't
1: know if you use your window a lot Or like having light But I do know of some reflective <laughs> insulation yeah, I can seal that up for you oh, okay. <laughs> I did this at my last house And in my apartment I would put this It's RV home insulation That with some duct tape Can really help soundproof your room And block all light out
2: uh, I'm not excited about that prospect Okay, I was just offering
1: <laughs> I wasn't demanding I just thought in case you didn't like Having light in your room, I didn't I liked having complete darkness Alright, um
0: This whole fight with, uh I was gonna call him Red, listen to me The big <laughs> fight
1: I met Bautista, he's a big
0: <clears throat> A big sneeze
1: I'm going to cut into your brain, and you will not remember... Oh, what
0: the hell's the name of the woman? You forgot no. it too, They were for you! <laughs> <laughs> Madeline Swan. <laughs> On a helicopter that's dark in the sky, that's an incredible shot to make with a handgun. But, again, they, they make them have a lot of shots, so it's quote-unquote plausible.
2: I'd like to shoot a helicopter right now. <laughs> <laughs> I get from a
1: script reason, Bond Blonde...